What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, a new year is supposed to be filled with hope, opportunity, and feelings of renewal. But going into the third year of a pandemic with no clear end in sight, those feelings can be hard to find. And the mental health resources needed to move through it and any difficult time can be even harder. A new app created in Chicago is trying to fill in some of those gaps. It's Tuesday, January 25th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Ariana Alejandra Gibson is the creator of the Stigma app, which is now available for download at thestigma.app. Ariana says the app isn't a replacement for traditional treatment like talk therapy, but it is a place where you can go, share your story of diagnosed disorders like PTSD or depression, and not feel the stigma that has for too long been placed on the conversations around mental health. I want to start with your story. From the time you were a little girl, the conversation of mental health has been present in your life. Can you give me a little bit about that background? Yeah, um, I was had a unique upbringing in the sense of exposure to mental illness um, in that I was born in Costa Rica to a father who is schizophrenic. And I think that what is also an interesting part of my background is that I, I'm um, mixed. So I have half of my family is Costa Rican and lives in Costa Rica, and half of my family um, is in the United States. And I grew up in the Midwest in Kansas. Um, so seeing the way that my Costa Rican family really nurtured my father was inspiring for my entire life. Um, but it didn't mean that that didn't come without some painful moments. Um, I was born in the 80s, and so there was no um, Skype or FaceTime or ability to really have a relationship with my father that I would have been able to have had I been born 20 years later. Is that stigma something that you recognized not only as a child, but even as you went out and, and kind of navigated the world, that it was, you know, as big a, a, a hindrance to talking about mental health as people say it is? Yes, I think so. I had um, this idea of when when you talk about mental illness um, in the 80s and the 90s, you got reactions that were judgmental. If the only stories you ever hear about someone who is schizophrenic are terrifying, it's it wouldn't be surprising as a person that you would then think, well, that's a scary person. And so as a young person, I had to understand this difference between that word is synonymous with, okay, these stories that I see, but I had this other story that I was living that was very real and schizophrenia and dad were synonymous. And so, you know, navigating that was complicated. And I remember times talking about it um, and getting negative reactions. And I had an unfortunate situation where um, in high school once um, the father of a, a boy who I was dating said, you can never have children with someone like her. 
And it was because schizophrenia is hereditary and that would probably happen. And I was talking to a friend the other day about this and she said, gosh, no one would ever say cancer runs in her family. So you should never have a child with that person. And so what are you to do as a young person, but decide that's painful. I'm just going to stop talking about it. And I think that can be applied to the trauma that any of us experiences. It's not just around mental illness. I wanted to Talk about the Stigma app. Where did this idea come from where you wanted to give people the opportunity to listen to other individuals who have gone through similar lived experiences to them, but also to offer their own story as a potential method of healing for another person? When did this idea come up for you? In college, I wanted to help people and I loved storytelling. So as my senior thesis in college, I shot my first documentary. I interviewed a family and the family had a 19-year-old son who had been recently diagnosed with schizophrenia, but I interviewed him, his older sister, his older brother, and both of his parents. I needed to work through what does another family experience when someone in the family is diagnosed, trying to, to start this process of, I want to put more stories out there. I want to counteract what I'm seeing on Law & Order. And I don't mean to, you know, shame them, but we've all seen the show. come on. Uh, (laughs) We we didn't see Dick Wolf. That's what he Um, did down on. (laughs) Um, But then there were all these stories that were negative. And I thought, we don't have to tell stories that are untrue or, you know, saccharine in the good moments. But we should tell stories that are honest but hopeful. I watched the introduction video to the Stigma app. And you had a group of people, I think, were they from the Logan Square area? And they they sat down, they shared their story about what a day in their life feels like if they're living with depression or PTSD or or some other form uh, of mental illness or, or, or just struggling uh, with, you know, aspects of, of the day. Hi, my name is Jamar. My name is Jocelyn. I live with anxiety and LCD. I live with depression. I live with bipolar disorder type 2. To have a good day, a lot of prep and effort goes into that. A bad day is I just, I don't take care of myself. And then you kind of surprise them with somebody on the other end who has shared a story. Can you tell me a little bit about that video and that process? How did you bring those people together? I wrote a post on the Logan Square Facebook page, like the community page, and just said, I'm a local documentary filmmaker. I'm working on building this mental health app. I believe not only are people willing to talk about their mental illness, but they actually want to if sharing their story means healing for themselves or for someone else. And so here's a little about me. And if you're interested, email me. I I would need you to come sit in front of a camera and talk about your mental illness for half an hour. And it just, it felt like, you know, a, a scene from a movie where it's just notifications lighting up in the hundreds of people engaging with the post, all positive engagements, um, people commenting, tagging friends saying, you should do this. And in 24 hours, 50 people, five zero oh, wow. emailed me. That's, that's 50, cool. And that's one neighborhood in one city in, you know, one state in the United States. And this is something who could help that could help people all over the world. It's really wonderful because you got some really vulnerable, candid responses. And to see people listen to other people share their stories and be impacted. Um, There is both something really jarring and really comforting about hearing a total stranger talk about things that have been in your head. I've never heard anybody say that, and it was like an instant connection. Uh, It was validating. It felt nice to hear someone say, like, I hear what you've been through, and I understand that it was hard. How does the app connect people? Is it based on their stories, based on their age? Like, how do you connect individuals with one another? 
with the app, the way that we hope um, to engage with people is um, offering them three options. And so those three options are to ask for help, uh, offer hope, or share your story. And what I like to say is the people who are going to engage with the platform to offer hope are called helpers. And the people who are asking for help are called humans because you don't have to live with a mental illness to have a bad day and to know how good it feels to talk to someone who understands exactly what it's like to walk in your shoes. There is not an easy way in this world right now for you to connect with people who share your lived experience. And that's really what what the algorithm and the matching will try and facilitate. Stick around. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. My best friend, Lauren, passed away from cancer, and um, it was an aggressive cancer. It it took her life in less than a year. She is a huge inspiration in me. Um, But six weeks after she passed away, I was very depressed. It was super. I had never dealt with depression before, like that can't-get-out-of-bed feeling. And six weeks later, while I was still going through that, um, my son, who's my only child, was diagnosed with autism, and it was a surprise. And this is another, uh, yet another misunderstood condition, right? And so I found myself thinking... I can barely get out of bed, and now I have to get out of bed and have the energy to be an autism mom, to research everything, to call insurance, to find the right therapies, to do all of the things, right? But imagine in that moment, there had been an app where I could have gone and recorded what I was feeling, and I could have recorded this message saying, I feel guilty that I'm sad. I'm terrified he won't have friends. I I worry that he'll never get married or he will get left out of slumber party invitations or birthday parties. Imagine that had gone out to a bunch of mothers of sons with autism. Imagine that you, Jacoby, are the the parent of a boy with autism who's 17. And your phone lights up with a push notification that says, a parent of a child with autism could use some support. And you watch this video and you see this human, you go, I remember that feeling. And you have the opportunity to record a video saying, Ariana, do not worry. There are no certainties right now, but what you can know is that there is hope. But imagine what that does for you and imagine what that does for me. So now I have hope. Like this is why crowdsourcing hope is the mantra. Can we connect people in those moments who share these experiences? Just to clarify, are you working with uh, people who work in mental health um, professions, you know, doctors uh, who are kind of advising and how you build in your algorithm? 
Yes, absolutely. So um, I have um, medical advisors that kind of um, expand a- across a range of disciplines. So I have licensed clinical social workers. I have suicide prevention specialists. I have MDs who are psychiatrists who work with psychosis patients. With mental health, there, it's not one size fits all when, it, when you think about solutions. And so the, the idea with all of this is how do we protect people first? That is number one. When you say, I'd like to ask for help, the first message you get is, is this an emergency? If so, you can instantly press a button to dial the suicide hotline or press a button to text the crisis text line. And so what are the ways that we can build into the user experience protection for the people who use the platform? And then how do we make sure that we've created opportunities for them to connect with each other in the ways that they want to? It may be that people say, can I opt into being in support groups? So the the social worker that I work with I asked her, how do you find support groups for your patients or your clients? And she said, it's really hard. It's like a really archaic, antiquated system. But if we could facilitate this with technology and say, we have a database of people who trust us because we're not selling their information to advertisers and we are keeping things private for them who have said, if there is a support group for moms of boys with autism who are under five, I'd love to know about it. Stigma app will never be a substitute for in-person human connection. But when you get into the idea of people around this country who have no access to mental health for geographic reasons, for financial reasons, for, you know, there there could be a long list. Um, This, I imagine, is a type of tool that can make them feel less alone where they didn't have one before. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, to ask, you know, why is this needed now? Because there are support groups out there, even though they're hard to find, you know, Facebook groups says that it does one thing, or you have YouTube where you can go see people telling their stories or live in-person events. There, there are a number of resources available where people can share their stories. They can listen to people share their stories. So why now with the stigma app? In 2017, the U.S. Surgeon General declared loneliness an epidemic. He said it was a public health crisis, and that was years before we had a global pandemic. So this has been a problem for a long time, and we want to find an opportunity to help people who are flourishing use their stories to offer hope to people in the the most um, struggling category. That person is not going to be healed by this app. They're still going to have to invest in their mental health and look at, do I need talk therapy? Do I need whatever their, their formula might be? It becomes a resource available to individuals to address and a resource that it it sounds particularly useful in a pandemic where so many people are coming out of it, trying to reconnect, trying to have more full conversations. Um, And so, Ariana, I appreciate you uh, coming on CityCast Chicago to talk to me more about it. Thank you so much. I'm so proud to be here and really grateful for the opportunity. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. First comes the snow, then comes the frost. We expect it to dip below zero degrees tonight, marking the coldest day of the winter so far. For more info on the city's warming centers, check out our newsletter. You can subscribe at chicago.citycast.fm. And some good news to get you through. The Goodman Theater is running August Wilson's classic play, Gem of the Ocean, through February. Jim was the first of Wilson's iconic 10-play run, exploring black life throughout the 20th century. And the play premiered at the Goodman 20 years ago. 
Remember, if you love what you hear from CityCast Chicago, tell your friends about the podcast. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.